Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loris College. Coming up, we dig into Loris history and legends with Don Fryman, an alumnus, former longtime development officer, diehard Loris athletic supporter, and I'm pretty sure if we checked, he would bleed purple and gold. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and I'm pleased to welcome my co-host, Bobby Earls, Director of Alumni Communications. Bobby, welcome back to Thanks, the studio. Thanks, Robert. This is going to be fun. Yeah, and joining us in the studio is our featured guest, Don Fryman. Don, welcome to the Dewhawk Digest. Thank you. A man of many words. I can tell we're starting off already. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be good. Okay, Don. It's a way of getting even with me or something. This is because we're going to have so much fun talking and sharing your Loris history. This has been such a journey for us walking through with so many others who really dedicated their lives to Loris. And what I want to do is maybe start from how you first entered campus, because you're an academy grad and you're a Loris College grad. But talk about even prior to that, you have a connection to this wonderful institution. Well, I do. I go back. Uh, <clears throat> I guess I moved uh, to Dubuque with my father, mother, and brother and sister from Holy Cross, Iowa, and uh, then uh, I attended uh, kindergarten on Jackson mm-hmm. Street, or on, uh, it's on Locust Street, and then I uh, attended St. Patrick's grade school, and my father got back from the service, uh, World War II, we moved up to the Nativity Parish, and then in 1952 I went back down to the, the academy, and in 1956 I came to Loris College for school. So this hill has been a part of my life. Uh, all that time, and uh, I have a lot of memories, of course. Mickey Marty was one of my big oh, heroes. Yeah. I never knew what a basketball was. We didn't have any play area to play, so. but I somehow had an affection for it, so that's what started me interested, I guess, in basketball. And so you graduated in 1961, yes. and you started a career. Because <clears throat> many people don't realize they know you from Loris, and they think mm-hmm. your, your life here at Loris was a long one, but you had another career prior to Loris. Tell us about that. Well, I my father's in the insurance business for 50-some years. I was in it with him for 13. And then I uh, went to uh, a company called Doran Transfer a Trucking Company. I was sales and management for seven years. And in 1980, I came to Loris at the continuous request of George Freund, <laughs> who was one of my mentors and a real classy gentleman. And uh, then I spent the 30, I guess I retired in uh, June or July of 32, or 80, no, 32 years, so. 32 years. It was in 2012. So, yep, in 2012. So I finished, uh, I had some part-time work mm-hmm. between that and the last year or so. But. but that work involved a connection with a lot of wonderful people on campus and equally so a lot of wonderful people off campus. Let's start with on campus first. You arrived in the 80s, and Mm -hmm. so you mentioned George Freund, um, Monsignor Barda, uh, Dr. Kenny Krause, Dr. Jack Bamrick, uh, Bob Pomerick. The list could go on Mm -hmm. and on. Tell us about really what was Camelot back then, 
among mm. all these wonderful individuals who influenced you. Tell me about some of the people you worked with and, the, and those stories. Well, as I look back, I was taught uh, all high school and college by men. That's mm-hmm. an interesting thing. We had one female teacher at Lawrence Academy, Miss Rosie Wheel, and she had mathematics. I didn't take that, so I had no female educators mm-hmm. uh, until I. And then, of course, Loris was co-ed already when I came here, and as Monsignor Schulte used to say, it did beautify the campus. <laughs> Besides, uh, at first they thought it might harm or hinder the academic excellence, but it went the other way. Mm-hmm. They outshone the most of us men anyway. So I'm so glad you brought up the, the intellectual <laughs> I have to be honest about That's it. Right. I have to be That's honest. right. But uh, let's see. Then, well, it's, in that, those days, um, you had uh, a lot of priests on campus, and uh, you had um, more regimentation. You know, you had, uh, uh, when I came back, back in 80, in 1980, is that what you want me to start with? Yes, that absolutely. Because in 80, you still had noon masses. You had, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't have the penalty... I was in the penalty box here <laughs> periodically. Now, you're going to have to explain that to those folks who well, maybe came the, after. One of the uh, endearing people in my life, I guess, would be Father Eugene Kutch. Yes. Uh, he uh, was my freshman in high school. He was my freshman religion teacher. He was also the assistant dean of men. Mm-hmm. We were all male, of course, in the academy. And uh, I read into him one time. On the wrong side of him. He gave me an indefinite seven period. I think I must have talked back. <laughs> Disagreed with authority, put to put it that way. And uh, then he, uh, and from that time he rode me, or pardon me, he didn't ride. Uh, he was with me from 52 to 56. Mm-hmm. And I thought, thank God, now he's behind me. And I came up here, and here he was transferred to the, as dean of men in 1956. <laughs> that so, was the Holy Spirit yeah, watching yeah, out for you. <laughs> I interrupted my education for one semester. I didn't go to school here uh, for the semester. So I ended up graduating at 61 instead of 60. Um, but through those days, uh, the, the, there were great teachers here. Uh, Monsignor um, um, Schulte was one who I did not have as a teacher, but he would be one of my real good mentors as well uh, in development work. And uh, also I would say, uh, let's see... Um, I tried uh, uh, engineering and flunked out of engineering in freshman <laughs> year, so not enough math and no, and no, no chemistry or biology. So mm-hmm. uh, I said, I can still make it. Well, I couldn't make it, but so it took me an extra semester to get out of school. Uh, but I'd say people like Frank Noonan, mm-hmm. uh, who were really uh, nurturing and mentoring people that were cares for the students, mm-hmm. no matter what their limitations were or their capabilities. Mm-hmm. We were treated much alike, everybody. We didn't, uh, that was one of the good discipline things about Father Kutch. It didn't care whether you were on top of the heap or wherever. It was equal justice for all. And as I called on a lot of people, that would come up quite often about his even tempered and his uh, even tempered um, uh, discipline. Yes. He was a very, very, uh, he was good, compassionate, very socially justice oriented person. Still is. Absolutely. And and, uh, I told him this before. I appreciate him. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Let's see. Who else would be there? I guess uh, in our freshman year, Father also taught me, uh, uh, Father Kutch did, he taught me uh, unified math, and I flunked that. (laughs) 
And I said, I wrote a D test. He said, yeah, but I don't want you to take it again. I said, believe me, I won't take it. <laughs> and that's what he told me. Right. <laughs> so we, uh, we, endured, we accepted that thing, sort of thing then. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to say I grew from it rather than whine about it. And, right. You know, and uh, so uh, I look back at it. And, I, and if I had my children, when they stumbled, I, I really can't say a lot other than keep getting up. Because mm-hmm. those are the people that, you know, that's where it's all at. And uh, let's see, faith life here, I, I would say, was very powerful all my, all my life mm-hmm. uh, between the four stu- schools I went to. Um, I don't know, I just believed it, uh, and the people I were taught me lived it. So sure. that makes a difference. And then you carried that tradition on in your family, so you had several children graduate from I have nine, eight living, and uh, yeah, and uh, they all have attended Catholic schools through college, uh, and uh, very fortunate for that. Half of them have master's degrees, so it's a it's been a very nice run. And they didn't come here just because you attended no, Loris. Well, let's see. Bridget uh, attended uh, Mount Mercy, became a nurse, a nurse practitioner. Uh, Peter attended Norbert's. And Glenn went up to St. John's for a while. And Andrew went up to St. Thomas for a while. Rachel went to Viterbo for a while. So they didn't know. We had a, the, the Catholic College Tuition Exchange Program at that time was available. Mm-hmm. And I think they've expanded that. And then they had caps on it. So some of you had too many going out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, but I think that when I look at the uh, number of uh, fe- fellow employees here, the, here who sent children here, they really did the school a good service mm-hmm. as well. So, uh, you know, the tuition was a powerful inducement for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'd have made it without it. But uh, So you mentioned George <clears throat> Freund really mm-hmm. kind of reeled you back to campus. Tell us mm-hmm. how that conversation went and what a big decision it was for you. Yeah, I was, uh, I would, uh, I was working at a trekking company uh, five days a week, no, no nights, no weekends. I had done that in the insurance business so long and with a good-sized family, uh, you were gone all the time. So he went after me for about two years or so uh, to keep asking. And finally I said yes, and uh, I, you know, he... Uh, he was uh, a person that uh, so true to himself and uh, his faith, and uh, he also treated people really well, uh, very compassionately. Uh, an Air Force veteran, and he was a broadcaster and radio, and a uh, very successful man. He had seven children. They were very, very good friends over the years after that. And uh, surrounding ourselves, you know, you. You didn't have a lot, I guess, but you you really worked well together with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you didn't have the uh, ex- high expectations, I guess. You maybe you managed your expectations rather than they weren't always suppressing you. Mm-hmm. You just managed them differently, and uh, just a lot of gifted people around me. I I'm trying to think of others that the older the other years. Uh, Larry Hart, my gosh, he. He, uh, he actually was a, a freshman teacher in mathematics as a substitute teacher, or a, uh, what do you call it, a student, a student teacher. Mm-hmm. And the grief that we gave that poor man as a freshman, I've told Larry before he died many times, I know I, you're it's so gracious that you even stayed in teaching after <laughs> what we did to you. He was so 
so caring in spite of our idiocy. He probably thought, if I can get through this class, yeah. I can tackle anything now in these, the world. Yeah, the, the academy is listed in five different grades, A, B, C, D, and those were also broke down the individual military companies and all that. So the, he had a range of students who were probably good and mediocre or whatever. And, uh, he, but what he endured, and with a smile on his face, <laughs> yeah, I, I held him in high esteem for that, Thanks. just for that alone, let alone being a good friend and a <laughs> nice person. So the teachers, that, that would be, I'd be the most of, oh, another one would be Father Clarence Friedman. <clears throat> he taught apologetics, which is, and that was a, the five proofs of the existence of God. And I heard he was the toughest teacher, and I thought, let's let's run with this. I'd like to try that. So I took him, and he was the toughest. <laughs> but he was uh, also very, very – He, one of the things, uh, maybe it was just me, but we grew up with a kind of a naivete about religion because we born in the Catholic faith, live, you know, 75 80% or more. Dubuque's Catholic. Everywhere you go, it's Catholic. Uh, we only had one public school, high school at the time. And so you kind of had this uh, incubation, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so he, he kind of opened your eyes a lot more about uh, other faiths and uh, the fact that you had to stand up for your faith. And I guess I would also relate it maybe to my sense today is being Catholic is being different to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so that would support that. You know, it was uh, wake up, get up, and, and do something. And so that was kind of the, uh, and for another, another one was Father Vogel, who was a very compassionate priest. Loved Father Vogel. I thought when I came to Loris, I thought, gee, Father Vogel, you're so peaceful and pat. I don't know if you can handle these college kids because, I mean, they're gregarious today. And by golly, I was wrong. He did. He, yeah. he did it in his way, the right way. Mm -hmm. so, he did. Let's see, who else would I consider? Oh, oh, I got to say something about Father Carl Schrader. Um, he had I had him for the Bible as part of the his English class, and I didn't realize the Bible had so much re, uh, reflection towards English and the composition and everything. I never, anyway, I'll never forget. It was the second semester. I had been gone. I was out my first semester sophomore year, and I walked into uh, 150 St. Hennessy, I think it is, and it's a big. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm in. I, this guy is tough, and is, you know I'm scared to death. This is a more of a scholastic probation. So anyway, <laughs> he uh, I hear him. He says Gomez. He said, uh, "What does the word Abraham mean?" And this guy gets up and he extends his arms. Father, it means father of multitudes. I thought this guy's going to get killed. <laughs> and he said. Abraham sat down and shut up. That was Abraham's first name, Abraham. So <laughs> then I realized that th these two had had a history. And sure. Was, but I, I think of how my uh, naivete, you know, and so how you matured through it. And size-wise, I grew a little bit more in college than I did in high school. Yeah. I didn't grow a little in college. But anyway, you just, um, uh, Father Slim, Slim Jim, James Donahue, brilliant man. Uh, enjoyed his time, his classes, his class, and uh, and I enjoyed so enjoyed a lot of time in the snack bar with him. He was a Cub fan, and he could speak on any subject for any length of time. They said he used to, they thought he could be measured out of have having control of one third of the knowledge 
in existence at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how Iowa City measured that somehow, but that's what they said. He was just eccentric. He had a nice long cigarette holder. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, today you just don't do much of that. And to, but at that time also a teacher was kind of aloof from you in many ways. Uh, you you were down in here and he was there, you know. And so, but when you got to interact with him just to see who they were as human beings, that was marvelous. And uh, mm-hmm. so that was a big growing part for me. Um, when you reflect <clears throat> back and you recall these instrumental instructors in your life, then you return to campus to work in the advancement office and mm-hmm. doing development work. You also got to see that next generation of faculty. Oh my! Yes. And the investment that they were making in the students and carrying on that torch that you talked about. Oh yeah, the quality continued. That's the best way to think of it. I think uh, the Bamricks followed the father and I. Who, father and I was another good one in biology, but John Bamrick was in the lab behind him, and and then that continued as well. Mm-hmm. And father from Father Howell to Nye to him. Uh, and I think in chemistry the same way you got mm-hmm. Kenny Krauss after Monsignor Schulte. Yes. Because, you know, when Monsignor Schulte was in his late years, pretty late years, uh, the Jesuits asked him to go to Korea and establish a chemistry department mm-hmm. in Seoul. Wow. And he turned that down, of course. But he had, that, that reputation, they were really great teachers. And uh, when I would call on a lot of doctors, one of the things I was amazed a lot of times, when they got to med school, they they knew as much or more than, you know, because they had prepped so well at Loris mm-hmm. as uh, their pre-professional degrees. So mm-hmm. It was really an eye-opener. It's the same as the idea the preparation at Loris was strong enough. And alums would say this. I'll never forget a, they had a 25-year alumni gathering at one of our homecomings, and I had that assignment. And I'll never forget this lawyer from Washington, D.C. He got in and he said, uh, uh, when I get in there, he said, I'm in against Harvard and Yale. And he says, you know what? He says, I'm not intimidated with my degree. He says, I win most of them. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was not, you know, he's bloviating a little bit there. But the idea that, uh, you know, you don't need to be intimidated. And I have to say the same for myself. In professional uh, meetings, you get there and uh, you find out people have all these uh, high-level colleges. And uh, there's a little bit more mystique there than... You know, there's more meat in our bones. We could definitely put a Lawrence yes. degree up against any right. other degree out <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. Well, think we're as well grounded, favor. we were grounded in the Thomistic tradition. When I went here, we were um, we had enough philosophy and uh, religion that we had had minors in philosophy. So that was, uh, and I, I credit a lot of that. I four years of Latin in high school and took that, as, and I that helped with reading and all that. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize how much it helps with comprehension. And uh, and I had another friend, a guy one time said, you went to the academy, didn't you? He said, yeah. He said, you can tell you academy guys. You, you know what's when... Yes, yes. <laughs> you so, know when to apply logic and reason. Thank you. Well, that's beautiful. <laughs> I like the way you say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to watch why I speak here. That's, right? that's <laughs> fantastic. Well, it is. I mean, we have a we have a quality education here. I think it's easy to overlook it because we don't have big big noises all the time. And I think you know, for our marketing folks to to try to sell, I remember sell it is hard because you know we charge more for. Uh, uh, we don't. We charge. Let's see. How would I say this? 
at Notre Dame and the bigger schools, they charge more to park a car than we, you know, than we do for our tuition. Mm -hmm. So we weren't going to be a real big impact there, but I mean, we do well. I know they are uh, the, the troop the kids that go out and do the uh, mock trial. Mock trials, yeah, that's a good example for me. Uh, is the mock trial system where we've been so much with competing? It's just a matter of knowing your basics, define your terms, and you know that, all that logic that we. And it's all comes from the St. Thomas tradition. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, we, we still do it. So your work here at Loris okay. in the development office. Mm -hmm. Fundraising is sometimes people are like very uncomfortable with that, but you really settled into it, made those connections with alumni, and really made sure that student scholarships were intact, that donors were matched with the needs of the college. Mm -hmm. What was the most rewarding in working in the development office for you as you reflect back on that time? Uh, well, I was young mm -hmm. at the time. I guess I was 42 or so. Let's see. Well, 80 and 30 is 42. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was young. I didn't have gray hair. <laughs> I, didn't drive a, I didn't drive a BMW, you know, mm -hmm. that type of thing. So reaching into that uh, stratosphere of people with e economic capability was, was uh, uh, intimidating at first. And it, it takes a while to do that because my area was not just, uh, we did, didn't refer to it as fundraising. It was more about friend raising and sustaining friendship raising. Mm -hmm. And it was for planned gifts, gifts in the future. And people t like that tend to be long-term thinkers. They, um, they also like to talk with the heads of the, of the school. I mean, the, the, idea, the heading of the school, I should say, the strategic plans. That's a big thing to them. Mm -hmm. Also, the maintaining the Catholicity and the, you know, true to your uh, mission type of thing. And so when I, uh, and I, I got to know a lot of people. I grew up in the insurance business with my father, literally. Uh, that's a full-time world. And uh, so the interaction with people was important. Uh, and you also, in the insurance business, his philosophy was, uh, and it still would be, mine would be the same, is uh, help people buy rather than sell to them. And when you get here to fundraising area, that a aspect, you also don't want to just sell to them mm -hmm. to, to draw money. I only like you because I know you have a bank account that's 10 times mine or something, that type of thing. I found that to be uh, um, a little internal strife a lot of times because, you know, you have to show results. And I didn't want to do that because I knew the heart that you have for giving related to Lars. Rachel said, also, don't cry. No, you're fine. <laughs> well, you, but You cry. Well, you have this emotion because you're so yeah. passionate and connected to Lars. Right. But <laughs> I owe her one. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, that's really deep-rooted in my mm -hmm. focus with the school. Mm -hmm. And it related to um, the inside of you matching the outside, not this phony scale or this uh, shell. And so when you find people like that, even though you can only commit, let's say, $1,000 out of your will to Loris College, you are just as important as Bob here, who, who can say 10 or 25 
you know, it's just, it's the same commitment. Mm -hmm. So trying to treat everybody like that, and regardless of whether your age is 24 and just out of school, or you're 55 and 75, uh, to treat them all the same uh, under this umbrella of faith, uh, that was my big uh, consternation inside, I guess I could say, because it was, uh, um, but it's what drove me. Uh, to do that and uh, then when I had some struggles with some things here um, I remember getting a little thing from Sister B uh, let's see what is the name of St. Um, Francis de Sales saying I had it on my door all the time you know I don't know why I was there but that's why I was there and it's the idea you just live life as it is and go um, and it's, a, um, it's a good axiom that uh, is hard to understand um, when you're going through it until you get into it and then you get through it and you have confidence to share it with mm-hmm. others. But um, yeah, this that would be my biggest uh, adjustment, let's say. To, and then as you, as you get going with it, it's just, uh, I, know, I have no big stellar you know, marks in the wall with plaques and all that stuff of what you did or didn't know. Well, you're a humble, humble well, person. No, but it, you do. You just want to make sure that I stand, we stand between the donor and the student. All of us do, no matter what job you have here. I was very um, impacted by that when I had a heart issue and I had to go up to uh, Mayo and uh, doctor, oh shoot, class 53, I can remember all these things, but the name. I asked him, I said, what makes Mayo so good? He said, well, he pointed out the way and he said, it's a gentleman out there cleaning the uh, parking lot works for you just as much as we do. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, that simplicity, and, uh, and they lived that way. Mm-hmm. Now, you can spout this all over the place, you know, and your feet are turned backwards when you know you're, some people aren't following it. So uh, that was important to me, that, that that's really what's important. And, uh, be, be right. Mm-hmm. Be right on the inside, don't say. Mm-hmm. But it, the standing between the donor and the, and the students, and uh, the uh, heartwarming thing is to see students growing and have accessibility and opportunity. I know we wish we could have done a lot more because, you know, we came here, Laura's in my era, a couple hundred dollars, 600 to 1200 I don't know what it was, a semester. And uh, around here now, of course, I don't know where it's at number-wise, but uh, it's very difficult. Our country doesn't want to give us vouchers, which I think would be very, very helpful for all the you know, private schools with faith-based uh, that could be changed can change this country a bit. So the but seeing those young people and like you say scholarships that uh, basically uh, plan giving is an endowment idea, <laughs> and you have an internal issue many times with private at least colleges Catholic stuff anyway. The annual fund is more important sometimes, and don't go pushing this stuff. We need this. So that was always an internal strife of some kind. Mm-hmm. So then I ended up doing all three, of course. But. Well, and the plan giving I, to yeah, really developed while you were here. Um, yes, the, we the, had the really gentleman ahead. It was vacant two years or more when, mm-hmm. when I came here. Uh, John Devine was here. He came the uh, Northeast Iowa Found or no Northwest Foundation sponsored this. I I went to the last close up meeting when I came. And they said, yay, there's been a great four years <laughs> <laughs> uh, up in Minneapolis. Uh, it was a uh, 
Uh, that was at, uh, what's the name of the air, the uh, railroad up there, that Northwest Railroad. Anyway, they sponsored it. And uh, they floated uh, the uh, uh, some of the monies for schools to get started in this. Harvey DeVries was one of the main teachers and one of my guru over the years. And uh, so that's where it was. And so you had to start from scratch and then to tell people from the inside. But you were speaking up the pipe. George was the one that had the sense of it. And nobody else did. Mm -hmm. It was just that simple. Um, and it, it, you know, it provided a lot of obstacles a lot of times, but uh, I don't know. You just believe in it, mm -hmm. keep going, and uh, you know, tested faith. I know that. <laughs> uh, but uh, and Loris is a great school because we have this great comradeships, and, um, and it's always in it. It seems like no matter how tough things are, you know, elbow to elbow, we're pretty, we're darn good mm -hmm. with each other. I think. Absolutely. Uh, we might have, and uh, we have a, occasionally some characters who you in the college you would want to invent in them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but they are a very strong part of it. So. Well, you would be the last person to mention this, but you also received a Distinguished Alumni Award after you retired. And it that, must have been a threat from it somebody. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> and that points to the great work and the impact that you had on our students, and as you mentioned, mentioned the collaboration you had with those on campus and off campus to help oh, yeah. Loris achieve goals, that mm -hmm. we took that baton and we're running with that baton right now and we'll hand that off to the next generation, but you can be extremely proud of the impact that you've had on individuals, on students, on your coworkers, now that's really, I think, when you look at scholarships, if you can get them in memory of those, those folks are on the front line with students. Uh, I can think of Doc Kammer, Monsignor Friedel, Monsignor Schulte. Uh, Friedel's another one. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we would go, uh, when, we, when we first traveled together, a bunch of us would, Jocelyn, myself, and Frank Noonan, we would say the rosary together in the cars and alumni stuff. And I don't think they do that today. <laughs> but we did that. And when I did it with Schulte and Friedel on our own, traveling side by side. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I have two good stories about my senior Schulte. One is uh, I introduced him to a waterbed in, uh, uh, in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, boy. And, and, uh, you better clarify the waterbed yeah, comment. Okay. <laughs> he was, uh, my, uh, we were traveling out there, and we had functions, and you know, I'd take him along, and then we'd. Uh, do the function anyway. My brother-in-law, they had three boys, and uh, I said, "Father, we have stopped to say hello." I said, uh, "They invited us to stay here for the evening, and uh, before I, we approached the house, and uh, I said, what do you think?'" And he said, "Well, uh, I'll see." So when he sat down at the at the sofa, the one little boy, Matt, the one who was adopted, and the other two came nine and ten months apart. So that happened for Linda. But anyway, all three boys were underneath his arms, literally. They were just up. In, and this man is in his 80s. Mm -hmm. He's stiff and move, he moves slowly. And I said, uh, Linda went out of the room. I said, what do you think about staying? He said, be just fine. Aww. But he got in the water. He had, and the next morning I said, how'd it go? And it was a waterbed. He had never slept in a waterbed. 
<laughs> so he told me, he said, uh, uh, I beached myself like a whale and then rolled up. <laughs> now, this is the humor of a man. It, it could be a sophisticated, but here he was being really real, very real. The other one was we were in St. Louis, Missouri. Amelia Momnier from St. Louis, Missouri. She had him there as a guest and me, and it was a dinner. And after the dinner, she had all the people around. We rushed to our bedroom. There was a bed in the bedroom, a three-quarter bed in the bedroom. And each of us slept. We laughed so hard this. <laughs> we both slept with one eye open. <laughs> we laughed so hard about that. But at his funeral, I, I told that story Aww. because he, he was just, he was so neat. Mary Shrey Bruno had all the, he had the practical outside things. A lot of times priests were pretty institutionalized in many ways. They didn't get to know in the pastorates like they do today. So, mm -hmm. But that was her two good ones ahead, and I dearly love him. He's just a wonderful human being. Mm -hmm. So, um, if yeah, you, I, I was going to say, go ahead. No, but just, well, honoring those folks to continue the, the, the virtues and the principles that Laura says because um, they're unchangeable. Mm -hmm. uh, you could put a little fancy deal around them, but the core has got to be there, and, mm. uh, and it shows. It will show. Uh, I was playing basketball uh, a couple weeks ago with a young man who went to Emmaus, and I don't know what his father's religion, but he jumped right on uh, visiting with me about just as if we were in the same religious base. And I thought, here's a young man, he's you know, probably 25 to 30 years old, teaching young children at Jefferson. And he started speaking of religion and the values and gifts that we share both at Loris. And that was pretty nice. I mean, young people don't do that to old Wonderful. coots like me. Wonderful. <laughs> you know, well, you're not an old coot, well, first of all. I'm trying to grow that way. But, <laughs> um, you don't have anyone fooled. Well, you yeah, you had to mention Faye Finnegan is one of my great there cohorts you go. here at Loris College. The first time I met her was in the hallway up here in Kane, and uh, she was... Uh, She's been, had an impact on my life ever since. She's like a little a little sister, um, a big daughter, age-wise, yeah. or whatever. I don't know, but just a wonderful friend, and we've had an incredible good times together and uh, grew a lot. Well, we worked together in a lot of alumni mm -hmm. functions and stuff. Sure. She's had held several, several positions here, so she actually my boss at one time for a while. A good go. boss, too. A good one. A she good was one. a good one. Still well, is. We absolutely Although she's is. got my number, and <laughs> she and my wife, they said, one-two one, punch. It's Thank like, goodness. I, Thank goodness. You're I a lucky I owe her man. so many shots back. <laughs> I only got with, even with her one time with a, an old thing that crawled on the floor. No, I let you it in did from not. The, yeah, I did that. I wish I could do it more often. Oh, I my scared goodness. her on the computer once. I didn't realize I only got about two in that I really would like to do better than that. I was going to say, I didn't know you a had a friend. prankster bone in your body. No. I didn't realize this. I was coached into that mm. from that office upstairs. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, I was very serious-minded when I came here. So, Well, as our time mm. comes to a close, and it always goes so fast. Yes, it, I'm sure. Talk about Loris's impact on you, not only as a student, but an employee, mm. and now as you reflect well, I think back. What I've learned here, I guess, we use every day of my life, every day. I never thought I, I thought, how would that ever work? But it does. Um, and it's, um, I guess it's enduring. It's, I mean, there's just so many words that could describe uh, 
the impact. He is just the backbone of your world. Uh, it affirmed everything, family taught, church, and I'm uh, geared up that way pretty heavy. Um, so I, I just would say, uh, I don't know, and spirituality. I mean, it's just the core of your life. Um, mm. I don't know how else I could say it. Um, you want one word. That's pretty good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Enduring is actually a pretty good word for, for mm. the way you've described it? it. Absolutely. Mm. Well, thank you. I, no, it's just a very uh, blessed way to live. Mm. And uh, uh, and it's uh, tough to watch others who do not have it, you know, and uh, how they endure it. Mm. And, uh, you know, and you can endure anything if you have the right orientation a higher power that's you're accountable to, mm-hmm. and, and everybody's accountable. If if we're all in that mix to a higher power that we're all accountable for, we wouldn't be doing this to each other mm-hmm. like we're doing it. Right. And uh, yeah, we'd be more civil and yeah. Well, you have absolutely left a wonderful footprint, imprint, and impact on. Loris College. And for that, we are so grateful. I know I feel pretty darn blessed to have had some overlapped time with you. you I have as well with you. Thank you, my dear. I'm thinking of that. uh, It was one of the uh, uh, ads I used to use. You left your heart, your your footprint when you left here, and then leave your heart print with support later. So. Hmm. That's a good way. That's a good way to look at it. And a wonderful way to put a ribbon on our package today. Thank <laughs> well, you thank so you. much, Don. Yeah, Don, thank Enjoyed you. this very much, as yeah. much as I was intimidated by it. No. <laughs> well, I was. I doubt that you're intimidated well, by much. I was. I didn't, you know, it's once said, all and done. <laughs> that would be the hardest, because I do not explain myself well a lot of times. So You, you did, did wonderfully. Exceptional yeah. job. Yeah, so thank so you. I have bruises yeah. on the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us, coming and taking the time and chatting with us. It really, thank you. Really do appreciate it. Thank you for it. the opportunity. Yeah, and Bobby, thank you for another tremendous job. My pleasure. This is fantastic. And also a thank you to our producer, Trent Hanselman, who, again, makes us just sound way better than we really are. <laughs> and thank you to everyone who listened into our discussion. For more podcasts as well as Loris news and features, be sure to visit the Loris Daily website at daily.loris.edu. You can also find more podcast episodes on iTunes and Spotify, so check them out. Whether it's from the Loris Daily site, iTunes, or Spotify, we hope you will join us for the next Duhok Digest. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. And go do hops. <laughs>